Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Download. Our aim is to reveal from Scripture just how good God really is. Find more of our sermons and other links as well as contact details at our website www.highway.org.za That's H-I-G-H-W-A-Y dot org dot Z-A May this sermon bless you. Enjoy. I never left the house of the Lord, by the way, but it's good to be assembled with the house of the Lord this morning. It's like when you don't see family for a long time, which is sometimes a good thing, when you do see them, it's really nice to be with them, eh? Now, don't take that the wrong way. We love our family, but when you've had a bit of a break and you come back into an atmosphere of, of the, the house, worshipping and loving Jesus, I'm refreshed this morning. Come on. Hope you can agree. And the question we get asked is, did we have to use our GPS to get you this morning? No, we still found it. In fact, we were here yesterday morning with all the leaders. Had a great morning with the leaders of the church. I want to tell you, Highway, there's a great leadership team right here in this church. Really, yeah, we can, we can applaud them. Amazing, amazing people. And um, we had a good time yesterday morning. So we, yeah, Janet and I officially had the longest leave we've ever had. I guess it's after 22 years of being here, so that's our justification, except we're not waiting for another 22 years before we do it again. And, uh, man, we just, it took, takes a week or two to just unwind and unspin and get things out of your head. And then during the next couple of weeks, I mean, I even got, we even got down to the beach to do some suntanning. Ah, oh, we never do suntanning. Like, like that's hard work, you know? Some snorkeling and, then back at home again for a few days. So we are feeling fresh in our spirits. Although this morning when the alarm went off, I couldn't believe I'd get up so early to be at church. I mean, 8 o'clock to get up on a Sunday morning. That's ridiculous. Just a joke. If you're visiting here this morning, wonderful to have you. Uh, you'll see there's a designated area here for you where you can come and uh, meet some folk there and have a cup of coffee. And then also when you came in this morning, I hope you, did you receive the little flyer, the notices, that one, and wave it up. If you didn't, don't you want, someone going to come down the aisles. We all need one of those. So I'm going to ask the life group serving if we can just do that quickly while um, we're going to ask Donna. Is Donna here? Are you all here? <laughs> and Janet, Janet, would you come up as well, please? Um, no, it's not church. It's not a church discipline this morning. It's a church appreciation this morning. Donna headed up a team through the holidays that put a feeding scheme together. And Donna, we just wanted to say thanks for your heart and your vision. Come, Jen. Maybe you want to bring her the flowers you were given this morning. I don't know. Is that, do you do that? Is that a, is that bad manners to do that? No, freely you've received, freely give. It's biblical. It's biblical. Freely you've received, freely give. Come on now. We're going to get home and there's going to be 10 of those waiting for us. Joking, joking. All right. 
Now, we just want to say that, Donna, you're a real gift and a treasure, and thank you for your commitment. Six o'clock every morning for the whole December. Well, I mean, they st- yeah, okay. So, Donna, where's the microphone? Donna needs a microphone, and uh, Donna's got a few people to thank as well. You can skip us. Okay, Donna, just get straight to... Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I made a call to... Um, to Bill and Richard, asking them, guys, do you think this is okay if we do this? Because literally a month before, this is God's timing, perfect timing. And to him be the glory about this. Because a month before, I sat next to Lovey at a Christmas leaders meeting. And that conversation took place, which took me to a church that was doing the feeding scheme. So I saw a month before how it was actually done. So we brought it to you guys on literally the 14th of December. And we were starting on Monday. And if I say to you how the finances came in, it was amazing. And I'm not going to go because I have given a testimony about all that. But I do want to say thank you. If you're here today, and I know some of the people are in children's church, but if you are here today, you gave financially, whether you prayed, whether you preached, whether you gave of your time, please can I ask you to stand up now? Stand up now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot more. Just look around your church. I mean, these guys were here half past five for the month of December. And really, just a round of applause to you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, we didn't have to, well done, thank you. We, we didn't have to create a WhatsApp group. I mean, there were mornings, there were three of us, and we were, we were like, just cool. This is cool. We know they're going to come. And they did. Every morning. We needed at least eight people to manage the whole situation, to manage everything. And we had always more than eight people. So God is good. He is faithful, faithful to us. Um, I just want to really highlight two people. Then, and I know they don't want to come forward, but I'm going to ask them to come forward. Lovey and Carol. 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 You're looking around you. Come here. <laughs> Carol, I just wanted to share this quickly. We had a youngster who stole some mugs and he was caught. And this lady marched around that kitchen praying for him while this whole thing was going on. And this youngster, we found out his mom was a prostitute. His dad had been a drunkard. They'd both passed away by the age of 11. So the compassion for him came in and not the condemning, you've just stole from us. And He stood there for half an hour, I'm not kidding you, the solid rock, cold as ice. And Carol walked up to him, literally placed her hand on him, and compassion and love took over. This boy started the tears running down his eyes. And you know, church, I don't know where you are today with God, and but I know he's commissioned us. And these forms going around, he's commissioned us to go and make disciples. You have got that spirit in you, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And it takes a touch and love to break down a wall of just hardness and rejection that this child had been feeling. So these two ladies were every morning, before half past five, were here. Every morning of that December. So I've got fire for lovey because that's what she is. She is a fireball. <laughs> you... Just a prayer warrior, behind the scenes worker, you don't see her, but she is a workhorse and just 
gives God the glory for everything she does and really a heart for the lost. And Carol, just pure beauty. Love, you are beautiful. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Steve and Janet, for allowing us to do this. You know, without you guys, and I know what your hearts are like, this church wouldn't have been able to reach out to this community. And um, your guys speaking in tongues that have never spoken in tongues before, the Holy Spirit fell on so many guys, gave their lives to the Lord, received Bibles. So continue just to pray, please, for them. I really believe this discipleship came at a time that this church needs it, and we need it, and in our own individual lives we need it, because there is a world around us that doesn't know Jesus. Okay, and he's commissioned us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And you are... You are qualified sitting in this church today. You're qualified to do that. But if you're not feeling qualified, we have the way to get you qualified. Okay, bless you. Thanks, Donna. That was awesome. We were on leave, so I would have loved to have taken some credit for it, but obviously, just kidding. Not about credit. Did everyone receive one of these now while we were... Pausing there. Has everyone got this equipping for discipleship? We are called to make disciples. If you don't raise your hand, still lots of people haven't got. Can the guys on duty just get that quickly? Because now this is going to hold us up a little bit. Keep your hand up until you get one. Can a few people just grab and pass out? That way it goes quickly. Um, all right. What uh, I'd like to do this morning, I'd like to kick off with, with this... Um, on the other side of your of the notice, which is really simply our, our definition of the Great Commission, is uh, there's a, a form in blue and light blue. Still a bunch of people this side haven't got. Can we get? A, can a few guys jump up, grab a few, and run over here and give it to them? Are they finished? Okay. Be to our God forever and ever. Be to our God. Whole bunch of forever and ever. But now you know your pastor doesn't like, it's like on the radio when someone's speaking and goes silent for 18 seconds. That's like terrible. Okay. All right, thanks to the guys that did that. Still there's a few at the back there, haven't got... Is there, Alec, are there any of the life group? Are you guys, who's on duty today? Not you guys, okay. Now, sorry, I did think it was you, that's my mistake. And then uh, I saw all your bodyguards. Okay. Robin, Robin, okay, Robin's there, okay. Are we sorted now? There's one or two there, Robin, about five or six. Okay, I don't want to take too long with this. I do have a word of encouragement for you this morning. A short exhortation. So, um, if the, oh, you know what else you're going to need with this? Is a pen. So, if you don't have a pen, you can use your phone to total your score, or you can keep a mental. <laughs> but I just, uh, I was up the north coast in, in St. Lucia. What a beautiful place. Never been to St. Lucia, but, but up there, and I just had this idea of a, of a survey 
that I'd like to do on my first Sunday back, and we did it yesterday with the leaders, and out um, some of the challenges, but I didn't foresee this one. Okay. So I've asked the leaders just to help me here this morning. So if you can be just looking around, if people have got a form and a pen, that'll be, I can do with all the help I can get. This is the year of the pastors and elders getting help. <laughs> help us, Jesus. Okay, so on the survey form, you'll notice there one is least and five is most. So I'm going to ask you three questions. they kind of logical, progressive questions. And they the same questions for each of these eight blocks. And they kind of cover the A question is your personal experience. The B question is your academic understanding. And your third, the B, is uh, the practical application of it. Does that make sense? Is it too close to holiday still? Am I with you? Are you with me? All right. So, number one, next to A, God the Father. How is your present relationship with God the Father? Would you, five is fantastic, one is weak. And don't just sit on the fence every time. No one's, you're not writing your name on this. We're not measuring you. We want to help us do this. The B question will be, thanks Ashley. The B question, that shouldn't have come up there, is how, okay, I beg your pardon. Biblically speaking, could you explain to a non-believer or a recent believer who the father is, and this is not working, so I'm, you're just going to have to listen to me, switch it off. B is, could you explain that to a non-believer who God is like? One being you can't, five being very easily. Have you got it? Is everyone, is everyone tracking? Okay, then the, the C is, have you recently done this? Explain to a young believer or a non-believer who God is. Simply, but biblically. So can you see the progression? It's personal experience of it. It's academic understanding of it. And then it's a practical application of it. Right, now we should fly through the next few. Go to number two, Jesus Christ our Lord. A, what is your, how would you describe your experience of Jesus? Secondly, biblically speaking, can you explain to a non-believer or a recent believer who Jesus is? And B, have you recently explained to a non-believer who Jesus is? This is annoying me more than anything, so you don't mind if I just put that down there. No, it's not working. The battery's dead or it's just... Beginning of the year, uh, grommets in the system. Are they really? Okay. Okay, the third one on the Holy Spirit. A... How is your present experience of the Holy Spirit in your own life? B, 
would you be able to biblically explain to a non-believer or a young believer who the Holy Spirit is? And C, have you recently been able to do that? Can you see the logical sequence? All right. Number four, on prayer. A, how's your personal experience of prayer? B, would you be able to biblically explain to a non-believer or recent believer what prayer is and how to pray? And C, have you recently had an opportunity to explain to someone? One being least, five being most. One being never, five being often. Number five, the Bible. A, what is your current experience with the Scripture? You read the Scripture. Do you, do you find yourself spending time in the Word yourself? One never, five regular. And then biblically speaking, could you explain to a non-believer why you believe in the Bible and why we have the Bible? And then C, have you recently had an opportunity to tell someone that? Number five, at least number six, on evangelism, sharing the good news. How is your personal experience of sharing the good news with when you get the opportunity to do it? Be part of that is, biblically speaking, would you be able to explain why we evangelize, why we give the gospel, why we witness? And C, have you recently explained to somebody why we need to witness and the importance of sharing the gospel? Number seven, call to discipleship. A, when last did you intentionally go about making a disciple? Second part of the, the B is, biblically speaking, could you explain to a non-believer or reasonable believer what does it mean to be a disciple and why is it so important? And then the C part of that is, have you recently had an opportunity to explain that to someone? And then the last one, on the local church, the community, how would you describe your present church experience, both in personal impact and also in your service involvement? Five being strong, one being weak. And then biblically speaking, could you explain to a non-believer or reasonable believer what the church is and what its purpose is? And then see, have you recently been able to do that with someone? Everyone get that? Okay, I just thought it would be quite helpful to practically get thinking about those eight themes, which are logical, progressive themes that we want to carry out this year. And I wanted to give you a way of maybe just being honest with yourself. If you added up all the A's, it would speak about your personal experience of those. If you added up all the B's, it would add up to your, your knowledge of those subjects, the academic of it. And then thirdly, is the practical application of those things. And if you add up all the A's, that's, Hey, Dave, help me out. Three eights, 24 times five is 96. 
40. So you, out of 40, you could gauge yourself. You could say, well, I'm kind of middle of the road on that. I'm doing well in that. I'm weak on that. You could go to add the B's up, add it to 40 and say, well, my knowledge of the sub- subject, how am I doing? And then, you know, if you're honest with yourself in this, I think if we added all that up, and we're going to, we did that yesterday, but um, you can add it up for yourself. But I would say if you got full marks in this survey, you'd get 120. I would say if it's 80 and above, it means you should really be discipling somebody. Hello? If it's under, then the themes of this year that we're going to be unpacking month by month as per that flyer. Have you received that flyer, Discipleship 2018, and the eight topics we're going to cover month by month? If you scored under 80, then actually those are going to be very beneficial. And it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 50 years or around during the time of the apostles. If I scored 25, maybe I need a refresher. Just because I was ahead of 90 or 100 10 years ago, it's like playing cards. I try to play bridge again in the holidays with friends of ours. Realize just because I played it 20 years ago doesn't mean I can still play it. I had to learn the whole game over again. You know how much effort that takes? Nice to have a holiday, eh? to do things like that. But things that have got cold, if you don't use it, you lose it. You have to relearn. So this year is about this equipping aspect of discipleship. It's not the beginning and end of discipleship. The equipping is only one of the aspects of discipleship. It's one of the four, in fact. I don't want to go into this, but it's the the equipping people and establishing them in, in biblical truths. But just as important as that, obviously, is the reaching out to spending time with those who don't know Jesus and then making sure our disciples are making disciples. Do you know that's what Christianity is all about? Engaging the lost, equipping them, establishing them in biblical truth, and then empowering them to go and do that with somebody else. Did you know that's as simple as it is? In fact, Jesus gets to the end of his ministry and that's all he's got to say is go and make disciples. Why? Because he wanted to change the world and he was going to come and shed his blood. He was going to provide new life. He was going to build his church on earth to extend the kingdom of God. And he said, this depends on you getting on making disciples. If they had failed there, the whole cause would have failed right there. But of course it wasn't because God already knew the cause was going to succeed. Because in the new birth, there's a rewiring of our hearts that says, I want to follow Jesus. I want to fellowship with believers and I want to fish for men. It's built into us. And he said, if you go and do that, nations will be changed. That's why discipleships are important. In fact, Paul gets to the end of his ministry and he writes in 2 Timothy, just before he says, I'm going to be poured out like a drink offering. My life has come. I've run the race. There's a crown. He's at the end of his time, almost like Jesus in Matthew 28. And he says to Timothy in chapter 2, verse 2, he says, these things you've heard from me entrust to reliable men who will be able to instruct others. Come on. These things you've heard from me Put your hand on someone's shoulder and say, 
Now, these things you've heard from me, entrust to others. That person you're putting your hand on, that's the other in the, in the verse. So the things, look at me, look at me. The things you hear from me, entrust to others who will be able to instruct others. Now, the person with the hand on the shoulder, reach out your hand. If you've got a hand on your shoulder, only if you've got someone laying a hand on your shoulder, reach your hand out. Now, now track with me. Paul says, the things you've received from me, entrust to others who can faithfully administer to others. Can you see the three generations? And that is what the Great Commission is all about. And that's why we want to equip God's people. Although these eight topics is only the equipping stage, it's not the whole package of discipleship. It's not the whole business. But it's a vitally business because we can only give what we got. We can only explain what we understand. That's why we have to know, is this something in my life, in those A questions? B, do I have an understanding enough to be able to tell somebody else about it? You know you only understand something when you're able to explain it to someone else. You got that. Can I explain it to someone else? And then the C part of that is, am I actually doing it? Because I can know all about it. It can even be precious to me, but if I'm not giving it away, it's not discipleship. Hello? I can know all about the Holy Spirit. He's awesome. He's wonderful. He's God. He's presence. I experience. I can even know how to explain the A to B's on the Holy Spirit. I could talk about the Old Testament ministry of the Holy Spirit, the New Testament Holy Spirit, the promise of Joel. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. I can even talk about how the Holy Spirit comes upon people and empowers them and the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. But if I've never passed that on to one person, Hello? I can read the Bible till the pages are falling out. I can love the Bible. I can explain the theology of the Bible. But do I ever open it or speak it? Can you see why discipleship is so important? And this equipping stage, establishing in these truths, is one aspect of that. So we met yesterday morning as the leaders we looked at ways we can do this. We spoke in circles. There was some nice uh, mental gymnastics and heated exchange. And we want to offer to the church, through the home cell guidelines this year, those themes, those eight themes are going to flow, starting with the love of our God, flowing into the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, continuing with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, going into understanding the Word of God, how to pray, going into... What is the local church? How to evangelize and what makes disciples? And over this year, we're going to take those eight topics. We're not going to try and get them all done in eight weeks. We could. We could have a quick eight-point sermon. And yeah, we've done it. But these kind of things need to be unpacked and massaged and percolated until they get into us. Not just academically, not just even in an ability to explain, but God, give me opportunities to tell the world about your love. Are you tracking with me? God, give me an opportunity to share the grace of our Lord Jesus.
God, let me live in the Holy Spirit knowing His voice, but then teaching others how to receive His presence and operate in His power. God, give me a love for prayer. Prayer is the agreement on earth as it is in heaven. So I need to be a praying person, praying in my language, praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, because I'm agreeing with heaven so it will be the same on earth. And here's the thing. When I pray in agreement with God's promises, God can fulfill His promises. He's chosen to work that way. God will fulfill His promises, but God is not going to fulfill your potential. Your potential is fulfilled when you come into agreement with God's promises. And don't let past disappointments hold you back, make you cynical, make you miserable. Keep on standing, keep on going for it, keep on adding faith. Remember Abraham, against all hope, Abraham believed and became a father of nations. Because he knew who his God was. And he was able As we're learning about evangelism, discipleship, and the local community. I do confess I haven't got anywhere near my sermon. And I do like to keep my commitment to time. But I hope this makes sense. Does that make sense why we did this? If you scored on the upper side, wonderful. Go for it. If you scored on the downside, don't be discouraged. This year, we want to equip you. Through the life groups, we're going to be doing it. If you're not in a life group, can I ask your pastor come here this morning and say, we can take 30 steps to you, but if you don't take one step back, it's unhelpful. Now, saying that, I know there's some situations where you can't. Then I encourage you to be, if you can, on the Monday night, we're going to be teaching through these topics. Got a team of guys, myself, we'll be here on a Monday night for a one-hour teaching, seven to eight, where we're going to cover the topics and explain the application and how to practically live in it. And that's going to be taken by someone back to a life group. But if you're not in a life group, come on the Monday night anyway. You will benefit from it, and we'll have some fun together. And it's from seven to eight. What time is it? 7 to 8 on a Monday night. And after that, there'll be coffee and cappuccinos. And if anybody wants to go and have a drink, knock yourself out. Get with your friends. Some of the whole life groups want to come on a Monday night. I think that's great. They come. Spend the hour around the topic. And then spend half an hour here or go up the road to coffee shop or whatever blows your hair back to connect. Others are saying, no, we want to still meet as a life group in the week, but we'll have someone there on the Monday who will then bring the, the, the outline back. And there'll be an, an outline specifically designed, simple, biblical, transferable, to give to the life groups. And then the Sunday preaching, although it's not going to be a lecture hall Sunday after Sunday, I, I hope, but we will still stay in the broad themes of those eight topics. Because Sunday is about encountering the presence of God. We need our tanks to be refilled. We need to hear the prophetic ministry. We need to have corporate worship. Didn't you love the worship this morning? 
I felt there was a boldness in it. I felt that it was go- like it was going somewhere. I didn't feel like it was just a sing song. I felt like, man, we broke through something. I want to do that every Sunday when I get together with you. I want to do that. I want to hear the prophetic. Thank you, Norma, for that word you shared about going into the wilderness, but God is still with us, and in the wilderness, he's going to break through, which was kind of my sermon today, but I guess it's moving slowly towards next week. I must prophesy. I could prophesy. But I want to just lay this clearly, what we're about this year. So we, on a Monday night, 7 to 8, we're going to have a teaching time, excluding holidays, public holidays, school holidays, We'll have a rest. But during the term, we'll have those nights. Some life groups come on. And if you're not in a life group, come and join us. You will benefit from those times. Say, oh, it's going to cost me a whole hour on a Monday night. Duh. Uh, oh, I thought I was going to get something for nothing. So the idea of my Christianity is that I give the least, 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 and I want the most, most, most. And if I don't get a child, I'll go try there, and then I'll try there, and I'll try. That's not going to help. Jesus says the way nations are going to be changed is when God's people get to discipling. And I have to confess as your pastor, although we established in grace, and I'm glad 2 Timothy 2 starts with that, continuing the grace you've received, before he says, and these things you've heard from me, entrust to reliable men who will be able to instruct others. We are well established in the grace of God. There's no judgment because we know what Jesus accomplished for each one of us. We might still have honoring situations where people can't just do what they want to, but it's always with forgiveness, mercy, love. But come on, church. I think it's time to get on with the job that he called us to do. You can never be fulfilled if you're not doing what God called you to do. A racing driver cannot be fulfilled if he doesn't have a motor car. A fisherman is unfulfilled if his line's not in the water. You can be the greatest musician or golf, golf player on earth, but if you haven't got arms, it's terrible. You're frustrated. Let me say as a born-again Christian, you are wired inside. For discipleship, to connect with unsafe people, to be involved in the fellowship of the believers, and to follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God. You are wired for that. It's in your DNA. You can never be satisfied outside of that. You will feel trapped. Say trapped. (laughs) You will feel blocked. You'll feel snared. And then you'll look for all other kinds of reasons why you're feeling that way. You know, maybe it's the church's fault. Maybe it's what that person said. Maybe it's the wrong religion. Maybe if we're not doing what we're wired to do, we like a fish out of water. And we feel trapped in our Christian life. And that was really what I wanted to say. And I'll take Bill's advice. I'll just prophesy this morning. There's some people who are feeling trapped in their Christian life. Yeah, I know we can get trapped in business and trapped in our marriages and all those things. And there's help if we need help. But in our spiritual, our Christian lives, our our being a Christian, if you feel trapped, blocked, ensnared, 
And I'm meeting people like that. Met a guy on holiday like that. Breaks my heart. We were staying down the south coast in a, in, in a holiday place. And I went into the bedroom to get some quiet. And I locked the door. And I closed the door. And I heard a very strange cluck. You know those ones that send shivers up the back of your neck? Cuck-cuck. And I turned. Ah, oh, the key unlocked. Hey, Mark, you, you'll maybe relate to. The handle didn't engage. And it come off the spindle thing in the wall. No problem. I'll just climb out the windows. Like Christians. You know, if God closes the doors, climb out the windows. You know, I, burglar bars, I'm talking about prison style. Now I'm sweating. But there's a problem. The water's been cut off that day. I'm locked and trapped in a room with no water. And all I can think to do in my brave, know-it-all style. Janet! Just, oh, Steve, there's a toolbox here. Thank God there's a toolbox. What's in the toolbox? Oh, there's a, there's a hammer and there's a, there, there, there's a, Screwdriver, pass it through the window, try and tap out the little spit. Now they rusted solid. Okay, uh, take the handles off, try and turn the lock jammed in. Is there a drill? The sucker's coming down, one way or another. Janet says, do what they do in the movies, just kick it. (laughs) Yeah, right, so come, let's kick it down. Bounce straight back to that wall. Not so easy. No, I didn't really kick the door. I was tempted to. So I take the drill and I drill close little holes around the mechanism, break out the wood, budge the locking mechanism until it comes out. Man, it was a paranoia. I remember as kids climbing through drain pipes, storm pipes. Remember those? Newcastle ones. Kid in front started getting all anxious, stopped crawling, started coming back, and there's three people behind me in a pipe this thick. Do you ever have nightmares like that? Nothing worse than being trapped. Three quick scriptures. Paul and Silas found themselves preaching the gospel, but finding themselves trapped in a prison in Acts chapter 16, and they cry out to God, except Upon receiving orders, he put them in the inner cells and fastened their feet in stocks. That's pretty locked in. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Number one, they understood. I want to give you three quick tools out of the toolbox. Is that okay? Can you bear with it? The first tool is their relationship with God. They were worshiping. Now, it's sometimes difficult to worship when you find yourself trapped. Hello, all you spiritual people. Bible says when David came to Ziglag, he had to encourage himself in the Lord because his men wanted to kill him. There's times you've just got to encourage yourself in the Spirit. James says, in all things, give thanks. I mean, yeah, he, Paul doesn't. James says, whatever trials you're going through, count it all joy when you go through hardships and difficult. Not easy, but here we find them. First relationship, the first tool out of the toolbox. Say tool number one is relationship with God. 
hearing the Father, experiencing the Holy Spirit, following Jesus. It's our first tool out of the toolbox. They were worshiping God in the midst of their hardship. I know some of you are going through some stuff right now, man. I meet, I talk. I, as a, trust me, as your pastor, I often carry the emotional fatigue of what's going on around. I pray for people. I say, God, I know you're never late, but yes, I wish you were early sometimes. You know, But we can't live there. We've got to get to a place where, God, we're just going to keep on giving you thanks. Because you're still good, and you still love me. And none of the plans of the enemy are your desire for my life. And I'm going to press through in this life or the next. I don't even care. They can even take me home. They could have beheaded Paul there. They weren't going to stop worshiping God in this situation. Because we're not bringing the situation down to our level. We're taking our level up to God's word. And he is love. And he wants the best for you as his child. The third, the third tool in their toolbox. A second, okay. So you still want to stay for another five minutes, okay? The second toolbox, Acts chapter 16, it says, uh, the second one is relationship with the family. The second tool, relationship with the family. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Say, Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas. You see, we really need one another. I know there was a time in my life where I worked in a situation straight out of school. Didn't even know. Someone, my grandfather organized a job for me. Here I am in a factory. Hard boots, steel pouring down. You know, fix that, fix this. I felt I was in a prison with older people around me. I was so intimidated. 17 year old. I'd never got my hands dirty in a factory before. I, I'm locked in this situation. And God sent a few brothers my way and introduced me to a church. And I found a community and a family. There I found a desperate need to belong to a community. I think sometimes we don't feel that need, we back off. But I'm glad God introduced me to the church that way because I found how much I need you in my life. Paul had Silas over here. This was one of his lucky times. Other times he's on his own. When you're going through hardships, it's good to have someone that you have invested in a closer relationship with. Someone in the Christian community that you can call on, who will speak the truth in love, who you can trust to be confidential, and you know has your back. Let me tell you, that is so valuable. I know sometimes our lives get so busy, we don't even have time for those. And all, all churches are just coming on Sunday to a dry cleaning, uh, like a car cleaner, driving through those rollers. Shh, we drive through. That's okay for a while. If that's all I can deal with for a short season, at least I must come through clean on the other side. If the rollers aren't turning and I'd make all the effort to get you and drive through rollers that are standing still and there's no water and soap, uh, kind of, that's not, that's not lacquer. That's why we want to experience God's presence when we come together in the corporate. But in the private, who are those that you can call on? Who are those you're connected to? It's part of the discipleship. It happens in a community. We call it a life group. It can be something else. But who are the people in this body that you know have got your back that you can trust and walk with? Am I tracking with you? Are you tracking with me? Jesus says, love me and also love my church. 
It's easy to say, oh, I love Jesus, but hey, his wife sucks. Yeah, imagine that, Stewie. Just, I want to be your buddy, man. You're such a good uncle. Hey, Elaine, I don't know. Can keep her away, man. I don't, really, I don't know if I want to spend time. No, oh, I love Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Church. I don't believe in the church. The church hurt me. There's no such thing as the church. It's just me and Jesus. Icona. The second toolbox. I had a relational, I had a relational, I'm still on the second tool. I'm still on the second tool. I've got going now. It's your fault. I was going to close. You kept me preaching. Don't look at me with that tone of voice. We were up the north coast and I realized we'd had some relational conflict with a friend. And he was in the area. So we contacted him. We on leave. I don't need anything ministry or church or anything while I'm just totally wound out. We made a lunch. We got together. We hugged, shook hands, kissed and made up. It was such a freeing experience. Come back now. I feel that's one load off my shoulder. I want to say, if you're going to be part of a meaningful community, there are going to be people who rub you up the wrong way. Trust me, as sparks fly heavenward, as iron sharpens iron, just believe you people are going to say things that are going to, you want to knock the head off the beast. God grant us humility and an ability to forgive quickly. We can still resolve issues, but forgive quickly. We haven't got time to walk with resentment and negativity and criticism. Come on now. I'm talking to somebody. Is there an issue you've got with a brother or sister right now? Sitting, maybe they've been sitting here. No, don't look at them. Don't look at them. <laughs> Just pretend they're not here. That's the second tool. To break out. Who's your Silas? And then lastly, is the last tool in this toolbox to break you out of your blockness. Relationship with non-believers. Relationship with non-believers. Look at this. The jailer, okay, then the Paul and Silas were worshipping and there was this earthquake and the prison doors opened and they all got fearful. Then the jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, why did he ask them how to be saved? They must have been singing salvation songs. Salvation songs, singing salvation songs. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Wow, that's positive discipleship language. If I affect your life, I know you're going to affect the lives around you. Hello? Then they spoke the word of the Lord to them because they had the word in them. They'd been to highway for the eight-week, eight-topic discipleship course. So they had the word living in them. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour of night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them out into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Isn't that awesome? 
You see, there's a wiring in you, my friend, as a believer, that if that is neglected and neglected and gets rusty and goes faulty, you feel trapped. Some of you need to leave the comfort of your life group and get out there and play pool with some, unless you've got a pool problem, sorry. But you need to go and play something. You need to do something with some non-believers and just love them. And don't worry about if they go to church or do go to church. And if they do ever go to church and it's not this church, power to them. Just love them for who they are. And when they're not looking, pray for them behind, you know, when they, and when they have a need, yes, Lord, he has an opportunity. Hello? You feeling trapped as a Christian? You feeling blocked? That'll shake the dust right out of the top six inches, right there. See, the Pharisees had this idea, if they kept the law and they separated from sinners, they would be righteous. Jesus comes and blows that open and says, I'm lifting the law to a new standard where nobody can keep it. I only can keep it, says Jesus. I will keep it and then give you the free gift of righteousness. And by the way, they called him the friend of sinners. Jesus came and turned the whole shenanigan upside down. I'm walking through the pavilion the other day. I'm just saying, God, what if all these people were unsaved, non-believers, in this pavilion sent? I'm walking. Maybe I was right. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm walking through the shopping center, and I'm, I just pretend in my mind. I play this game. Everyone here is non-believer. Never heard of Bible, church, Jesus. God, where would I start? No frame of reference. How would I? What? And I felt so clearly the Holy Spirit said to me, all they need to know is that I love them. Because no other religion is going to teach them that. Because all other religions are lies. Philosophies of men. But there's one true gospel. And it's a gospel of the God who so loved the world. When they discover how much I love them, and I started walking. As I was walking, I started playing this kind of visualization in my mind of being able to just people starting to click about the love of God. And people's faces changed. Their, their appearance started changing. And I felt this excitement. And I thought, come on. The world is going to be changed when believers see non-believers through different eyes. And get the cobwebs blown out of their prison cell right there. So, church, three tools I gave you this morning speak of three relationships. That first relationship with God, show me someone in that relationship with God, and I'll show you someone following Jesus, because he had a perfect relationship with the Father in the Holy Spirit. Show me someone, the second tool, the second relationship with the community of believers, And I'll show you someone who's in fellowship. And thirdly, show me someone, that third relationship with non-believers. And I'll show you someone who's fishing for men. And that kind of Christianity, that authentic Christianity, following Jesus, fellowshipping with believers, and fishing for the lost, is what authentic Christianity 
is all about. Are you feeling blocked? Are you feeling like your Christianity's got boring? Let's stand up together. That praise and worship was so great this morning. I'm going to ask Dave, you guys can come up. We're going to do a song after this. But first what we're going to do is we're going to just pray. Can we pray for one another? How did you do on your survey form, by the way? All those under 30, please raise your hands. I want to see you at the new members class tomorrow night. (laughs) Joke, sorry. Thank God for his financial provision over last year. Amen. Come on. Thank God for his provision. We've got 120 or 130,000 left on the bond to pay. Praise God. That makes up about a 35,000 rand that we've got to come up with for the bond every month. And our income expenditure is around about 30,000 short, except when God does a miracle, which he seems to be doing a lot. So so that's going to help. But we want to come with thankfulness in our giving because God has given us an opportunity to make this house work. Come on, I I think this house is working. And this house's best days are lying ahead. And you have an opportunity to partner, not only pray and in your gift and your serving, but financially. Say, come on, under an inferior covenant, they used to have to give 10. I don't have to give, but I can give whatever God shows me. And it can be more or whatever. But I give something. Amen? Oh, that wasn't very positive. It's January, guys. It's January. Lord, we thank you for the generosity of your people and the giving and the offering in Jesus' name. As the folk come now to take up the offering, I want to pray for two categories of people. I want to pray for you if you've never given your life to Jesus and all this is kind of new and you say, this year it changes. I want to be disciples. I want to be born again. And then I want to pray for people who just got stuck. You've become just... Something is not the same. I hope you could relate to one of those three relationships. Because it was a simple message. But just because it was a simple message doesn't mean it's not going to take effort and commitment to sort that out. Hello? I want to pray for you because I believe over and above all the teaching this morning, it's the power of God that can transform lives. If you are unsaved, the power of God is for you. And if you are a saved believer, but you're feeling blocked, the power of God is here for you right now. Let's just all lift our hands up together. And just declare after me, Holy Spirit, fall afresh on me. Open my eyes to see your love. Open my ears to hear your words. Take my hands. Take my feet. Take my mouth. They belong to you. I commit my entire life to you right now. 